When passion, perseverance, and performance join forces, success is born. When your lifestyle is cultivated around physical and mental well-being, winning is inevitable. If you're somebody who likes to set goals and crush them too, you've come to the right place. This is putting yourself first. This is motivation. This is the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. What is up, everybody? Coming at you late on a Sunday evening to bring you another episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm going to dive into strategies for structuring your workouts in the gym. I wanted to put together a quick episode that gives you some practical takeaways for how to actually create a workout that's going to be effective and some principles that I use to kind of guide me in this process. I think one of the biggest barriers that people face when going to the gym or deciding to go to the gym is figuring out how to organize your workout, figuring out what to actually do when you get there. There's been many times that I've walked into a gym and realized that I don't have a plan and have to kind of think on the fly about what I'm going to do that day. And having a plan is crucial to taking the stress out of a workout and feeling fulfilled when you leave the gym that you actually accomplished something. So I'm going to dive into some principles that I follow to make my workouts enjoyable, effective, and ultimately easy to create. So I like to start with one question, which is what is the goal of the session? So depending on what it is that you're really trying to accomplish will help you kind of decide how you're going to structure your workout. For example, your goal for this specific day or this specific week or month might be to lift as much weight as possible. That would mean that you're working on strength. How much force can you develop in a certain movement? Maybe when you go to the gym, you want to focus on something high intensity. You want to create a workout that's going to keep your heart rate up, that's going to keep you kind of in that anaerobic state. Maybe you have specific muscle groups that you're going to work on. Maybe you want to train legs, or maybe you want to train full body, or maybe you want to do push-pull. Regardless of what your answer is to this question, there's no truly right or wrong answer, but having an idea in mind of what you're trying to accomplish can definitely give you a lot of clarity. So at the start of my workouts, I like to do some kind of warm-up and movement preparation. For me, this looks like 5 to 10 minutes on a cardio machine, something low intensity, just to kind of get my legs and arms moving and get my blood pumping a little bit. After that, I'll do some movement prep specific activities. So for example, if I'm going to train leg day, I'm going to do some specific glute activation or ankle dorsiflexion mobility or whatever it is that I feel like I need in that session. I'm going to do a few drills to kind of prepare those movements. If I'm training upper body, I usually start with some kind of kettlebell activation work, rotator cuff activation, shoulder stability, um, some different breathing techniques working on thoracic spine mobility. Those are just some examples of things that I do. But you always want to do some kind of movement preparation that's going to prepare your body, prepare your nervous system in a way that's relatively specific to what you are going to train that session. 
Now, another question to ask yourself when you're structuring your workout is what components are going to require the most effort? Or in other words, what components do you want to give the most effort to? It's super important to put the most taxing exercises first, whether that means that it's the exercises that you're going to lift the most weight, maybe it's the most challenging in terms of technique or form, maybe it's something that's explosive, maybe you're doing jumps or you're doing some kind of like plyometric exercises. The things that are going to require a higher demand from your body, from your muscles, from your nervous system, you want to place early on in your workout. The reason why is your body only has so much in the tank in a given workout. Energy sources and just general nervous system activity and energy is going to decrease as the workout goes on. Now, for some people, that might happen quickly. You might work out for 20 minutes and be totally fatigued and shot. For somebody who's more well-trained, you might train for a full two hours and feel like you're giving a really, really good effort. So it's very individualized. But asking yourself what is going to take the most effort and putting that first will be effective in terms of giving your body the best chance at giving the best effort to those movements. So for example... Let's use the example of leg day. On my leg days, I'm always doing some kind of squat movement. Back squat, front squat, box squat, whatever it might be, with a barbell. Now that is going to be one of the more challenging tasks of my workout because I'm likely going to load it up pretty high. I might do high volume. I might be adding in tempo work and like heavy eccentrics, whatever it is. On top of that, it requires a lot of technique. Although I'm a pretty trained individual, it still takes me a lot of kind of mental effort and focus to perform these exercises as well as I want to. So for that reason, my front squats, back squats, deadlifts, barbell hinges, whatever the barbell movements are, are going to happen first because I'm able to give the most effort, my nervous system is the most primed, And I'm able to get what I want to get out of those exercises before I'm fatigued. Now, in some cases, if you are somebody who's training specifically to perform these movements in a fatigue state, you might see people do these towards the end of their workout to kind of empty out their tank and push themselves past that point of fatigue a little bit. But I'm just kind of generally speaking here to the general person creating a workout Definitely go with your more difficult, more taxing movements first. Like I mentioned before, this also applies to kind of explosive movements. So if you're doing any kind of med ball throw or high intense jumps or even like kettlebell swings or something that's really explosive, I like to put these movements early on in the workout because I feel that my nervous system is most able to give a good effort during those movements. If you do them in a fatigued state, they're not going to look as pretty. You might not be able to get through as many as you want. Now, again, there are certain cases where you might want to do those challenging movements towards the end. So right now on my clinical rotation, I'm working with a lot of athletes who are returning to sport. And when we first introduce plyometric jumping, landing type of exercises, for the first time, we're going to do them early on in the PT session. 
because again, we want to give the athlete the best opportunity to do them well. However, when we get towards that return to sport stage and we're close to discharging them, we're going to see what those movements look like in a fatigued state to see how their landing mechanics look when they are tired, to see how quickly they can change direction when they are fatigued, because that's going to correlate to their game performance and on-field performance. So just something to consider there. Now, let's also talk about exercise selection. When you get to a gym, there's literally infinite number of exercises and pieces of equipment and things to choose from, and that can be really overwhelming. So some general things that I like to think about are performing a variety of movements within a given session. So I like to follow push-pull principles specifically. When we break the body into different components, but to keep it broad, we'll call it upper body and lower body. We have upper body pushing motions and upper body pulling motions. And within the upper body push, you can break that into vertical push and horizontal push. And even working on diagonal planes as well. Same thing with the pull, a vertical pull and a horizontal pull. To give you an example, let's stick with the upper body. A vertical push might be something like an overhead press or a military press, or a shoulder press. Whereas a vertical pull is something like a pull-up, or a lat pull-down. A horizontal push is where you're pushing away from your body in the horizontal plane. So that's going to be something like a bench press, a chest press, flies. Whereas a horizontal pull is going to be more of that rowing motion, barbell row, dumbbell row, whatever it is. So I really like choosing different variety of movements within my training sessions because you're more able to target different muscles that way. If you are doing all overhead pressing motions in a given workout, you're likely going to work your shoulders really freaking hard, your triceps, some of those muscles, but you're not really giving as much attention to any of the other muscles if you're kind of working in that same movement pattern the whole time. Same thing with the lower body. A lot of the typical exercises I'll say that are done in the gym are very focused on the anterior muscles, the muscles on the front of your body, like your quads, right? Squats and lunges and split squats and squat jumps. Those are all examples of things that work your quads, and they're great exercises. A lot of those are in my leg day. But if you're truly going for some sort of physique development, if you want to gain muscle, if you want to lose weight, if you want to just look better and feel stronger, you want to make sure you're working muscles on the back side of your body as well, your glutes and your hamstrings specifically. So those are going to be things like your RDLs, your hamstring curls, things that are working that kind of lower body pulling motion. So not going to get into too much detail with that. There's so many different ways that you can structure your workout. And like I said, there's not really a wrong way. But think about performing a variety of movements. So for my lower body day, I'll typically start with a squat, which is working every muscle in your lower body, but it might be biased more towards the quads or the glutes, depending on what squat I'm doing. 
After that, I'll typically do some kind of hinge variation. A deadlift, a straight leg RDL, just a heavy barbell RDL where I'm working more of those hamstrings and glute muscles. And then I'll kind of work my way down into the less physically demanding exercises. And what I mean by that, I shouldn't say physically demanding because a lot of these exercises are still hard, but it uses a smaller percentage of the total muscle in your body. So Bulgarian split squats, for example, those are going to fall towards the middle to end of my workout. Does that mean that Bulgarian split squats are easy? Not at all. Also called rear foot elevated split squats. Those are one of the hardest exercises for me to do, but I'm not pushing as much weight when I do that exercise as I am when I squat and when I deadlift. So that's kind of my principle is start with the exercises that are using the most weight and then kind of work your way down from there. And also kind of ask yourself, what are the most difficult exercises for you? So maybe you are really comfortable with the barbell and doing bilateral exercises. And maybe unilateral exercises or single leg exercises like a split squat or like a single leg RDL, maybe those are really difficult for you. So if that's the case, maybe in some workouts, you start with the Bulgarian split squats because you want that nervous system to be primed to help you with that stability and balance and you want to give your best effort to that exercise, then you might put it in the beginning. So, so many different ways to do this. And then in terms of structuring your workout with these different principles, I mean, there's so many different combinations. You can do leg day, where you work all of the muscles in your legs in some way. You can do a upper body push, lower body push. So that would be a total body routine that you're working more of those pushing muscles, the squats and the presses and things of that nature. Maybe you'll do a upper body push and lower body pull. The reason why I like to kind of split my workouts into push pull is that if you do multiple workouts in a week, let's say you work your upper body pressing muscles on Monday. If on Tuesday or Wednesday you go to the gym, and do upper body pulling, if you're still a little bit sore from Monday's workout, it's not going to impact Tuesday or Wednesday's workout as much. Whereas if you're just crushing two hours of total body of every single muscle group every time you go to the gym, it's likely going to be hard for your muscles and for your body to recover in order to experience gains in the long term. So let's dive into rest breaks a little bit. Rest breaks are definitely an underutilized part of structuring a workout, and I am completely guilty of not keying as much into rest breaks as I should, especially with the knowledge that I have and how important they are. Most of us take our rest break at the gym by hopping on our phone, maybe picking a new song, maybe scrolling through Instagram because you're totally addicted like I am. However, being intentional about how much time you take between sets can make a big difference for your workout. So if you are training for strength, if your goal is to get into the gym and push as much weight on a barbell squat as you can, you're going to want your rest breaks 
in between sets to be a little bit on the longer side. The reason why is you want to be able to show up for each individual set with the most effort that you can. So the principles that I follow, which are actually from the National Strength and Conditioning Association, is when you're working on strength, you want to go for like a two to four minute rest break. And that can feel like a really long time. But like I said, if your goal is to step under that barbell and lift weight that you've never lifted before or lift weight that's really freaking heavy, you need to give your muscles a chance to kind of recover as well as your nervous system. Now, on the contrary, if your goal for the workout is to keep that heart rate elevated and keep the intensity high between sets, you're going to want to keep those rest breaks short. Because we know that during the rest break, the heart rate is going to kind of attenuate and drop off a little bit, depending on how high it was during your working set. So when you're working on strength and you take those long rest breaks, your heart rate might recover all the way down to your baseline. However, if you want to keep that heart rate elevated, somewhere like a 30 second rest break, 30 second to a minute is more in that range that you're going to want to be in in order to kind of keep things at a high level. Another great tool to keep rest breaks short, if that is your goal, is doing supersets. So a superset is where you perform a set of a given exercise, and then as soon as you finish that exercise, you perform a set of another exercise. And you basically cycle back and forth between the two. So let's say I'm doing more of like a hit style workout. I'm using dumbbells. I'm not going for high amounts of strength. I'm going more for higher reps, higher intensity. Maybe I'll grab a pair of 20 pound dumbbells. I'll hold them on my shoulders and I'll perform 10 squats. The dumbbells are just hanging out on my shoulders and I'm squatting up and down 10 reps, 12 reps, 15 reps, whatever it is. As soon as that set finishes, I'm going to stand up straight and I'm going to press the weights overhead. Maybe 10 reps, 12 reps of overhead press. So there's not a true rest break in between those two exercises. However, after I finish my squats, when my legs are burning and I immediately go into my shoulder presses, my legs are resting while my shoulders are working. And then when you finish the shoulder presses, maybe you take a short rest and then hop back into the squats. So this is a great way to keep your heart rate elevated as you're cycling through different strength exercises. And it's also a great way to pack in some volume if you don't have a lot of time in the gym. So when I go to the gym and I only have like 30 minutes to work out, if that's the only time that I gave myself to train... I might do more of a superset style workout in order to get as much volume in as I can. But at other times, I might go to the gym for 30 minutes and do purely a squat session where I do my movement prep, I get under the barbell, I perform five or six sets of squats, maybe one or two accessory exercises, and that's it. So not every workout needs to incorporate a lot of movements. In general, my exercises probably only have like six different exercises in them. Used to be a lot more. So, again, so many different ways to do it. 
but general principles. Try to vary the movements that you're doing. Change up the rest breaks, play around with some different things and see what works best for you and your goals. One thing I've not talked about in this conversation yet is cardio. Like true cardio, like cardio machines, running, elliptical, Stairmaster. One of the big questions that gets asked a lot in fitness is if you are doing weight training and you are doing cardio, what is the best order to do them in? Now, some of the research that I've seen and the people that I've listened to speak about this topic have reported that there's no real difference or advantage to either one of those orders in terms of fat loss and making gains in the gym. However, just like the principles with structuring your strength training workouts, you want to think about that same principle of prioritization. Asking yourself, what is the goal of this session? So if your goal when you go to the gym is to run your fastest two-mile time, or if it's to do 15 minutes of treadmill intervals and give your best effort, in that case... I would probably put the treadmill work first because you have a specific goal. You know that you're going to push yourself. You know that you want to perform in that task. However, there's a trade-off here. When you start with some kind of high intense cardio work, like a distance run or some kind of interval training, whatever it might be, you take the chance of fatiguing your body a little bit which may then affect your ability to perform your weight training exercises. And I'm not saying that you can't perform your weight training exercises. It's not like you're going to get off the treadmill and have absolutely no energy left. You'll probably still be able to get through your workout, but you likely won't be able to push the amount of weight or number of reps or number of sets after an intense cardio workout as you would if you were to start fresh. So on the contrary, if your goal when you go to the gym is to focus on the weights, if you're really working on your technique on a certain lift, if you're really working on increasing the number of reps that you can do on the bench press with 100 pounds, if that is your priority, if that's your focus, do that early on. When you have the mental energy for it, when you have the physical energy for it, And if the cardio that you do is kind of just a way to burn some extra calories, get a little more time in, get a little sweat in, then put that towards the end because it probably won't require as much mental and physical effort if you're just doing it to do it for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. I'm definitely not the kind of person that thinks that cardio is unnecessary. I think cardio is a great tool to do in the gym. It's very important for overall health. So, if you're going to incorporate it, put it wherever it feels best for you. And this can change workout to workout. If you want to go hard on the treadmill today, put that first, and then use whatever's left in the tank to hit the weights. But if you want to focus on your deadlift today, definitely do that early on, and then finish with the Stairmaster at the end. Now, one more point I'm going to touch upon here is that in terms of setting up your workouts on a broader scale... So let's say throughout the entire week, make sure that you are giving yourself rest breaks. One of the mistakes that I made when I first started working out at the gym 
is trying to go every single day, five to six days a week. And if I didn't get there that often, I thought that I wasn't going to see any progress. But what's actually being shown now is that as little as two to three workouts a week is enough to maintain whatever level of fitness you currently have. So three to four workouts a week, in my opinion, is an ideal number to still make strides towards where you want to be and allow your body to recover. Especially if fitness is not the number one priority in your life. If you're listening to this, you're likely not like a high-level CrossFit athlete or somebody who's doing two work- workouts a day to compete in something crazy. If fitness is just a priority, not the priority, three to four days a week is plenty to get you to where you want to be. And remember that gains, whether that be weight loss or muscle gain or speed or power or your squat form, whatever it is that your goal is, a lot of the changes that cause those things to improve happen when you're resting. They happen when you're sleeping. They happen when you're sitting still. They happen when your muscles are taking a break. Not when you're in the gym. So, little side note there, but make sure that you're giving your body the opportunity to experience what it needs to experience in order to improve. Or else your five or six days a week in the gym are going to get you nowhere and it will feel like you are running on a hamster wheel. My goal of the week for you this week is to be intentional about structuring your workouts. Next time you're on your way to the gym, ask yourself the question of, what is my priority today? What is my goal? What do I want to accomplish by the time I walk out the door? And then ask yourself, of the exercises I'm planning to do today, what takes the most effort? What's the most challenging for me? What's the newest exercise that I've tried? What requires the most mental effort? And put that first. And don't forget to take rest breaks. On days that you feel really sore or really tired, understand that that's your body's way of telling you that in order to recover and improve, you might need to take a little bit off the gas. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope you found this episode helpful in helping you structure your workouts for success. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear about it. You can reach out to me on Instagram at goalsetmindset underscore JB. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I would also appreciate a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.